friends, how's it going? It's Tiffany Pratt. This is my love jam. I know it's wild to think that I have a podcast all about love, but let me tell you, even though I'm a designer, creative director, creative person, artist, author, TV, whatever, there's absolutely nothing that I've ever done in my life that has been more important than bringing love into everything that I've ever done. And this is a podcast all about that. I have met miraculous, cool, incredible people along the way, and I want to introduce you to some of them. I want to talk to you about my journey. I want to share some of the things that I've learned. And more than anything in the whole world, I don't want you to feel alone. As a creative person, I want us to feel like a powerful community of supportive friends that can turn to each other and know that no matter what, we've got each other's back. So that's what the Love Jam's all about. Let's talk about it. Let's get down in the middle of it. Let's uncover it. Let's see all of its colors. And let's jam. Let's jam about love. That's the Love Jam. pretty excited that I got a sponsor for this podcast. Hey, Coco. Wait, what? Can I'm in the, I'm in the, hold on, I'm in the washroom. Oh, I just need you to see me read the sponsorship ad, jeez. Just wanted you to read the sponsorship ad. I'm back. Oh, wow. Uh, by the way, your bathroom, really nice, really nice fixtures. What's going on there? Well, I had my bathroom redone with Delta Faucets Canada. It's, oh. Uh, I know. Oh, well, no, it's go. pretty right? slick in there, right? Right. Makes I know. Sense. It's actually pretty fitting because uh, this episode of The Love Jam has in part been made possible by my friends at Delta Faucets Canada. They, uh, they've made the magic happen for me. Well, you know, innovation and design have been at the heart of the Delta brand for over 50 years. They have poured that into every product they make, creating savvy, sturdy faucets and accessories with smart design on the inside and out. Well, now you know why you like my bathroom so much. Jeez, makes total sense. (laughs) Jill and I are together (laughs) Um, in the tent, which I thought was more for pretty. And then Coco tells me it's really good for sound. And then you say... Perfect. I said it was like, you know, those bedsheet forts that you make when you're a kid. (laughs) Which you've made. (laughs) Which I have made. (laughs) Which is the perfect entrance to, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Jill Cohen. (laughs) Which is how I love to introduce Jill to everyone, even in meetings. And um, I think I even did it. Well, I don't think I did it at the coffee shop yesterday with the clients. I think you did. I did, yeah. Probably I did. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Jill Cohen. (laughs) 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 And the crowd goes, wow. Jill Cohen! It's a day. You know, we all have our busy days and we're all in this together. And I could not recently get through any day without Jill Cohen. And I am so excited to introduce her to you today because on my website, Jill is listed as Creative Heart and Creative Hands. So, Creative Heart and Hands. And she's a really important guest of this podcast because she represents to me the maker. And I love this element of um, speaking because it involves our two hands and building things with our two hands. And um, so Jill Cohen and I met a year ago, more, less. Yeah, a little over a year. Okay. So I'll let you take it from the top. So how, I think you had sent me an email or you met somebody or how did it start? Yes, it was actually kind of funny. A friend of mine who's a graphic designer, I was telling her about, you know, what I was doing um, and being a freelance artist and how I was trying to, you know, just do it on my own. And she was like, there's somebody you have to connect with. And her name is Tiffany Pratt and this is her Instagram. And, you know, you would... I think you would really drive well with her. You should reach out to her. And she had given me a few names and some of the names, I think she knew the people. And so I thought you guys were like pals. Like I thought she knew you personally. So I emailed you. I'm like, hi, you know, I'm so-and-so's friend. And I emailed you this whole email about how like we should connect. Our mutual friend told me that we should connect. And it's hilarious because of course you did respond right away, but you were like, I don't know this person. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so clearly she was, you know, she'd, I think, seen you at Creative Mornings or she was a follower of yours of some kind. But right. 
long story short, I connected with you at the original, or was it the original Love Jam? It was the original yeah. Love Jam. Yeah, and on the floor, which is the perfect place for any project or relationship to start. That sounds weird. No, no, but, <laughs> but I actually want to circle back to that point because I think you had mentioned this at one point and I want us to talk about being on the floor together. Being on the floor. And ironically, who was just on the podcast was Amber J, who owns Misfit, which I failed to mention. <gasps> perfect. was her studio where we wow. first did our Love Jam. Cool. That's cool. So, um... So Jill had emailed me a handful of times. And what I loved about Jill was her persistent, consistent check-ins with, hey, just wanted to t- like send you a note to say I'm thinking of you and I would love to meet or love to meet for coffee. And, you know, our lives are all so busy. And, and But there was something about her notes that always struck my soul. And I always kept thinking, you know, I really do have to make time for this person. And when um, I had collected enough notes from people, I thought, you know, Maybe it's best that I get a collection of people together and we can all learn from each other and sit down on a floor somewhere magical and learn about each other and talk. And certainly if they, everyone wants to fire me different questions, I can do the best I can. So Jill was one of those people that I had invited to the original Love Jam, which was a face-to-face. And there was what, like eight people in the room? Yeah, there was there was like a little kind of intimate group of us and yeah. I had no idea what to expect. And I, it did, was I didn't know I didn't either. <laughs> but all I knew was um I wanted us all to and just like today, we're you know, the Love Jam currently, we're in Coco's studio and we're sitting on pillows on the floor. And that's how we did the original Love Jam, which was sitting on yoga mats on the yep. floor. And um and I loved what you said when we first met that you loved that we were all sitting on the floor together. And that so can you kind of re- remember that conversation we had? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you were just like happy that I wasn't putting myself. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think that was the first impression that I had of you in person was we were all on the floor, and the fact that you were sitting on the floor with all of us, and we were in a circle, and there was no like hierarchy of seating or stage or even really front of the room. It was just a circle, and we were all in the circle, and I thought that was such a that spoke you know volumes without without I don't know words just just the action of like choosing that choosing to be amongst the people all of us and we all were sitting together and it was I loved beautiful. it I yeah. loved it and what I loved um was that day I was able to connect with with different um makers and artists and business owners on different levels but I remember meeting Jill that day and I tell her and now after meeting her husband that they're both they have shiny <laughs> souls and I actually call her husband lovingly shiny because they're both so shiny and if you ever get the joy or the pleasure of meeting Jill you will also know what it looks and feels like to be around a person with a shiny soul. So I um, quickly, all of a sudden, got a whole bunch of making jobs. So we went into a big Christmas making ordeal. And then I was doing a bunch of online um, making for uh, HGTV. And I immediately after meeting Jill thought, I'm going to call her. And so our journey began to work together. And most recently, I would say a month ago, um, I've been able to have Jill on full time. And she's my right hand in all things creative. And it's been a new embarking for us um, because I'm bringing Jill into my life, not just in the making side, but in the design side. And why I want to speak with Jill today is because in a maker's heart is a person that understands medium and creativity and um, creating beauty in such a beautiful, earthy way. And I referenced you in my very first podcast because I talked about the fact that you said that we were scrappy. Yes. (laughs) So true. (laughs) So first, tell the peoples about how you got started. Like you went to art school. Like when did you start making things? Like what was the first sign of Jill Cohen, the maker, like or the artist? Like tell me when you, like your earliest rememberings of this being that you've become. Like how did it come to be and how did you envelop it and know it to be yours? Yeah, I... I mean, from the time I was really little, painting and drawing and art making was, I think, just my way of being and navigating the world and processing through even my emotions and my place in my family. I'm from like, a, to me, a big family, an older sister and two younger brothers and my parents. And and I think I've said to you before, using like the archetype of like Winnie the Pooh, that I felt like I was always like a piglet to to whoever to my sister my older sister or to friends or like I feel like that's the role that I assume most easily and naturally as my way of I don't know 
um, so precious. And so I think art, I think my parents um, probably saw that in me as a kid. And so they signed me up for like after school private art lessons. And so I would get to go every week with this. And it was just me and this one, she had, I think she probably had pink hair at one point. She had like shaved her head at one point. She had, you know, nose piercings, this like wacky, cool, quirky teenager and I was probably I started it maybe when I was eight and so I would go to her house every week and I would just get to paint and make and so I think that was always that was just like this it felt special it felt like it was my thing and it was the way I could express myself if I was very quiet compared to you know my sister or friends or whatever that was like my voice was the making so that's where it started. You know, when you're telling me this, I got goosebumps because I thought it's almost like we're recreating that now together. Yeah. Because I'm that weird person that you go to my house it's, and you make so stuff, true. you know, and <laughs> then like, I, don't you think? And she had a dog. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I feel like that in a, in a weird sense, the, the earlier part of you yep. could connect with me on that level. Mm-hmm. You know, the weird quirky woman totally. that, you know, you go to she her house. music playing. Yeah. And, yeah. Yep. All the things. Yep. Right. So maybe that's our part of our connection. Yep, totally. Either way. So then you continued on. You yeah. went to art school. Yeah. So then I went to uh, university and did a BFA there. So like a fine arts degree. And that was a super overwhelming, but also like beautiful experience, I think, in the exposure to other artists and art makers and so many different, you know, studios and tools and mediums and Especially, I think what I took away from art school was the um, critiquing process. So like the fact that you have to really believe in what you're making because you're going to be standing there in front of, you know, 40 people and a bunch of professors and they're going to be essentially picking apart your art or asking you questions about it for like a good three hours. And so you have to stand there and be able to field these questions and defend your art and, you know, just like I assume someone would a thesis or whatever right. in that in that field. So it you really I think it really strengthened me. It made me feel like I'm I have to make things, you know, that I believe in and be proud of them and be able to defend them and and so yeah, so that I think strengthened me and gave me a voice there. Mm-hmm. And then after university, I am probably like many artists who go to art school and are like, okay, now what, <laughs> what do I do? I have not thought this through. I, I would take trips to the States and the customs officer at the, you know, at the border would be like, so what do you do? And I would say, oh, you know, I, I'm a student or I just graduated. Oh, what are you doing in school or what, you know, what did you graduate with? Uh, art art what are you gonna do with that you should go to your local library and take a Mars Briggs test or something like, no. they would, they, this is what I would get and I would be like oh <laughs> no like what did I do what will I ever do with this <laughs> go get a Miles Briggs test <laughs> lady what you gonna oh, do with yeah. that art <laughs> like if I'm not already insecure about that enough thank you <laughs> trying to go on vacation <laughs> just trying to relax from a life of an no artist yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> That's the best. pretty good. I lo- so, it's uh, so true, though. I often find that it's the it's the people that don't uh, have not been subjected to or don't feel as comfortable in a life creative. Yeah, that would have a reaction like that because yeah. they can't relate to it. Yeah, it's true. you know, I think it's a relation thing. Mm-hmm. If, if you if you aren't exposed to it, you're not around people that are involved in it. It's so hard to wrap your head around, especially yeah. somebody that's working for the government or at a border like that is that is not a very creative job. Yeah, you no, know, it's true. And I feel like it, there's like a double edged sword to it, because part of me, like there are so many people in my life whose family or parents, you know, would tell them or push them to only do you know, a safe stream of some kind. So be a lawyer, be a teacher, be a doctor. And while that's understandable, I do feel privileged that I, you know, that I had parents that were like, you know, do what what makes you happy. Like, what do you want to go to school for? It is, that is such a gift. So I think, yeah, that's like an easy thing to take for granted. And that is, that has been a huge gift to me that I could do that. And And I think that that's something to shout out to all the parents out there or the people who have had parents that have been supportive of their creative journey, Mm -hmm. just sending love to those people 
and admiring them for letting us do what we want to do mm-hmm. or supporting us in doing what we want to do, I think is such a beautiful thing because um, often our parents, you know, they could have their own ideals for us. Yeah. And to just let us be who we are and take their own opinions and expectations and let us be, I think it's such a beautiful thing. So thank you to all the parents. It's true. Right? Mom, dad. Mom, dad. (laughs) Mom, dad. Thank you so much. And it's that, it's that um, privilege and also a combination of, I think, like bravery to be an artist because it is the insecure route. It's not the sure thing. There's no you know, official job that that like assembly line of school will dump you out in. It's like you're kind of at an open field once you, you know, you're not on like a direct road. You come out and you're like, like, there's an open field. Where do I go? Tim Gunn, (laughs) make it work. Yeah. You know, make it work. (laughs) Yeah. Make it work. So then where do you find yourself? Is this when you find yourself at Anthro? Is this? Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, I graduated and I loved the, I, I basically tried to be, sort of practical about it and was like, okay, who is hiring someone like me who likes to make things with their hands? Because in my eyes, there weren't many. And anthropology was one place where I, when I found out that they actually hired, you know, an artist to make all of their window displays and, and, you know, installations and designs that got me excited. because I was like, okay, this is, I get to kind of be an artist and actually like take home a paycheck and maybe even go to the dentist. (laughs) (laughs) And I get to wear super cute clothes. (laughs) That too. Yeah. And, and I want to throw love also to anthropology because I really think that they changed the way that we view retail. Yeah. Because the retail environment was never as it was until anthropology stepped in and did it as they do it. Yeah. And they have not let it go. Yeah. It only keeps getting bigger and better. And I think that that company alone has really been a, such a silent supporter of artists. Definitely. You know, they don't they don't trumpet the fact that they hire, you know, set designers or designers or artists or makers. They just do. Yep. And all over the world. Yep. And it, it's incredible. So I and I also loved I think that's one thing I loved about you when you told me about what you had done because um, doing what I do, I so much admire adding that hand done element to a space or a home or um, yeah. a commercial environment yeah. and anthropology does it so well. Yeah. So can, so you get the job at anthro. Yep. I think going to what, what you're saying though, I think that is what makes them unique is they, I think when I was young, I had such a streak of perfectionism in me and I was hard on myself and, you know, art in my mind had to be whatever I deemed as perfect, it had to reach a certain level or had to, you know, this line has to be straight. Right. And that always felt frustrating for me because I think I actually, I, the joy of the art making for me was those imperfections and yeah. was the, like, just take a paintbrush, make a stroke. And if it's not perfectly straight, it's like, it's beautiful. Look at the way the line curves or the color bleeds or whatever. But there was also the other side of my brain that was always like judging myself being like, this isn't perfect. You know, that other art student theirs is like perfectly mathematical, you know, trying to figure like navigate that of how, what makes art good to me. And so anthropology, I think that's why they are unique. And also that you have that in common with anthropology. And I think that's why there is like that common thread of the imperfections are beautiful and enjoy them and ride them and go with them yeah, and, and, and be fluid about them. Almost like amplify it. Yeah. Yeah. Go with the mistake and yeah. make a happy accident instead of a... I think that's that's when it feels really, not only real and messy, but messy good. Yeah. You know, because you can't replicate yeah. a fuck up. Yep. It's awesome. It's like, true. You know? It's what signifies, I think, to a viewer that this is handmade. Someone made this with their hands. And that's so human. I think it brings people um, together into the piece in that way is because they're like, oh, this is a human made this. I could make this. There's a mistake that makes it accessible in a way. It's not only accessible, but I almost feel like it it's inspired people in their own homes to say, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, and maybe you'll agree with me, but the way they're doing it now feels like you can take home that experience. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah, it's true. Like, people are now looking at their homes as an opportunity to create, like, these installations. It's true. That you don't have to have up year-round. Yep. But you can have fun with, like, these little creative, whimsical, yep. like 
piles of cardboard or yes exactly. you know like, like it, the humble materials that yeah. everybody has access to it's not made out of you know fancy glass and steel it's made out of you know coffee filters or cupcake liners or string or whatever <laughs> but I feel like they've done that so well yeah you know yeah it's and, true and that's and that's I know that that is one of our bonding elements is I mean having had my own creative studio and worked with children you can't do the level of making that I did with as many people and children as I did using high-end materials. Mm-hmm. I had to use humble materials to be able to afford it yep. and to um, continue the output. Yep. But you have to think of really ingenious ways of using humble materials. That's true. To always engage, but also um, constantly surprise and delight. Yep. And that's what I love about you the most is I could say something, you know, suggesting a humble material and you are just as excited about it as oh, I am. Yeah. And we're like, yeah. 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 Cause that's the joy is using something so ordinary or banal or mundane and then, you know, making it something that's so surprising, surprisingly beautiful and like redeeming it in that way and looking at it differently afterwards. One of the things I wanted Jill to talk about when she was on the podcast, one of the things I would love for you to talk about is, you know, the maker's heart, um, because so often we see beauty all around us, you know, in stores in anthropology or in installations in, um, you know, special events or music videos or commercials or um, sets or in our case, you know, we just went to Hermes, we went to one of their little pop-ups And um, what I love about being in the world with Jill now, not just personally, but professionally, is our ability to jam about what we know happens behind the scenes, building these things, because, you know, we're the makers. (laughs) And, And I love your stories. So, you know... I just want you to dig in a little bit about that, like what it's really like, you know, yeah. the bag lady status and, you know, yes. it's not what you think it is. Totally. So like the creative yep. artist maker. So do you want to dig into that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, like dig into some of my stories yeah. or just, yeah. I mean, I think it is so interesting how there is such a, which we talk about all the time, such a like dichotomy between what it looks like to somebody who, you know, might not be a creative or not be a maker, I should say, because I do feel like everyone's a little bit creative, but that's a a whole other conversation. Um, But someone who's not a maker, who doesn't have experience making and is a consumer or a client or whoever you want to call them, when they show up and see something that's been made or crafted or whatever put together, they, you know, walk away with a certain impression. And yet what it took to get there is so, you know, whether it's, the underbelly or the behind the scenes or whatever the process is, because there's such a variance of, you know, ways that things get done. I just think it is so amazing. Like it, it can be such a dichotomy. And no one ever would suspect what that looks like in those yep. conditions and sometimes how yep. sad and poor and pathetic totally. they can be. And, you know, we've both lived through those moments yep. where, you know, you kind of walk away I always like, I, I know it's not, you know, the rain is not always coming down and the dark clouds aren't always there. And, but I always just picture myself like filthy, covered in some sort of oh, paint yeah. or glue or sweat and like with a, with a hat on, backing away slowly <laughs> totally. with my That's like, exactly how it is. just like, I'm just going to back out yep. and just, okay. And I'm in my car, the doors, okay, I did it. Yep. You know, like. Yep. You come out of your art cave for an afternoon coffee and you go into a coffee shop and, you know, everyone's, you know, dressed to the nines and looks beautiful and, you know, a certain part of town and you're just like sawdust and paint all over you and black fingernails and (laughs) your shirt's a little bit disheveled. But I love that about, I love that about you. But you've been making gold and nobody knows. And you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, yeah, you may look you may look pretty slick right now, but you should see the slick shit that I got freaking coming out next week for this party, That's people. Right. Yeah. It's so funny. I also love how um, you know, another thing, the the ma- I wanna just shove love and uh total props to the makers out there that are listening, because I know you're probably listening to us like laughing your ass off because you know how this feels. It's so true. Where you, you're just in your own little world, yep. you know, and you're making and you're just trying to output something that you know you can be proud of yep. and other people will be proud of. And, uh, and, and you're in such a zone that you almost like lose a sense of self. And I know I've come out of making experiences with Jill where, you know, we'll end up in a restaurant somewhere meeting people and like, we'll look at down at ourselves, like just making sure we're clean. <laughs> 
is there gum in my hair? Yeah. <laughs> and like, I know every single time we both look at our nails and we like tuck our fingers and we're like, totally. keep your hands under the table and everything will be fine uh-huh. because there's spray paint gunk and glitter right. or like our n- nails are chewed off from some sort of weird adhesive that just, <laughs> the point is, yep. all the peoples out there that are makers that are with us, um, your hands. I uh, I wrote a piece about that. Remember about the hands. I'm like, you can tell a maker by their hands. Like, well, if you're out in public, you know, people watching manicure, 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 ragged nails. And you look at the person with the ragged nails and you just kind of eye them like, oh, we know each other. We must do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You are mine. That's right. It's, it's actually, uh, it's, I think it's a badge of honor. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's true. I kind of like being the only girl in the room that doesn't have manicured nails. Yeah, because you know why. And no yeah. one else has to know why, but you know why. And it's it like, feels kind of good. I feel badass You've earned them. Yeah, yeah it's like, I'm a badass nails. with these big ass <laughs> scars and calluses and chunks Glue of... Glue gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah Glue I'm a badass. Blisters. Yeah. So the other thing I want to talk about is the thing that is sort of spiritual. And the spiritual side of it is sort of the, the mindfulness that happens when you're making something over and over again. Or, you know, you kind of get in the zone. It's almost like meditation. And that part of your brain, I I just always feel like there's so much mindfulness in anything that requires both your right and your left hand, you know, Mm because you're using both sides of your brain. Do you like, don't you feel like we're the luckiest people in the world? I do. We get to do these. I really, really do. Right? Like, yeah. We get to experience something. I I don't know. There's something about that to, that to me that feels a little bit holy, mm-hmm. you know. And you can't repeat anything twice, which is extra cool because whatever you're outputting is is made from your heart. And that's why you know your title with what I do is Jill Cohen. You know, creative heart and hands is because Jill really does put her heart into what she does, and she puts her heart into how she does it. And and how she finds and selects things and put where she puts them and how she sends the email and how she, you know, talks to everyone and shows up. And there's so much heart in uh, creativity. And I just want you to know that that is so appreciated. And I know that there are so many people out there that can relate to that and be, being creative. We can't stop being who we are. Mm-hmm. You know, that like ability, like you can't get dressed and not put those earrings on. Yeah. You know, you can't, there's, there's no stopping it once you're. Yeah. It's a make- the sensitivity piece. It's like, because, and we talked about this before too, I think it's like, because we're sensitive people, we're sensitive to all the senses. So we're sensitive to the smell in the room or, you know, the, visual when we look at color or when we look at decide which jacket to put on or when we you know choose music for the day whether it's Annie or Annie Lennox <laughs> Annie Lennox Ha Coco Annie Lennox <laughs> or something else <laughs> or something more or, depressing or something as you Coco. would say yeah. yeah we we work with Coco at a studio quite a bit and Coco always wants to kill Jill and I with our music choices but we like it we like it, it helps us with our creativity yeah. You can go to Hell in a Handbasket with your smooth jazz, Coco. I I think that that's the the other part of it that I want you to talk about a little bit, which is that that part of the sensitivity. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but that's the thing I think is like your genius. That's your genius. I feel like it's, I've always felt like it's, definitely a blessing and a curse. Sometimes I only think it's a curse and I'm reminded by people in my life, no, it's a blessing. And so I think it's like, yeah, it's uh, choosing to make it a positive thing, which, you know, because the, the downside of being sensitive is you are, you're sensitive to everything. So you're sensitive, like I said, it could be, it can be great, but it can also be really overwhelming. And so um, to use that as like a superpower, to choose to use it as a superpower, I think um, is what makes it makes the difference. And so, yeah, so you're sensitive to, you know, exactly what you're saying, like how to talk to somebody that you're collaborating with or to a client or, you know, you're sensitive to like what's going on in the space. Is this too much color? Is this too much wood? Like all of that, I think, is part of being sensitive. And I think as a creative inherently in being a creative is that sensitivity because that's what makes you respond to things and the way you do. 
But I think it's your superpower. <laughs> it is your superpower. I hope so. I'm trying to make it. I'm trying to, yeah, to to see the good in it, to see how it, you know, it encourages people or, you know, brings, yeah, brings like love and joy to people and um, brings care to a space or an image or whatever I'm making. But um, yeah, and to not be, not be bogged down by it. No, I, I, I'm so, I'm so thankful that you brought that up because I often think that people who are sensitive look at it as something that they don't even know why, or Mm -hmm. they are, but they don't even identify as a sensitive person. They just are. And when you can identify that you're a sensitive person, I I often feel like it's um, maybe your best weapon for the people that aren't maybe not as sensitive as you. Mm -hmm. And you are able to even subconsciously bring something magical to light. And like what that means is if they were to walk, in my case, if they were to walk into a space that I've designed, they don't know why they're reacting as positively to it as they are. Right. But it's because someone who was highly sensitive. Yes, you're so right. Had really thought of all those elements that has brought them joy. Mm-hmm. And they're not sure why, but they know they're feeling good things. You're right. And the highly sensitive person has has really you know, built through all of those levels of senses, touch, taste, hear, smell. Attention to detail, the tiny things in the room that people would never think about or the tiny thing in the, you know, composition or whatever it is. It's true. Yeah. And they're not saying, you know, wow, that soap was amazing. Like, they don't know. They don't give a shit about the soap. (laughs) I really like that there's a red button on that pillow. Yeah, like, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that stitching was beautiful. (laughs) The double stitch? Did you see the double stitch? Wow. <laughs> and yeah. that finish on that cabinet, that was stunning. <laughs> stunning finish. Oh, those handles. Oh, God. And the, did you see the way those curtains hung? With the weight, like, oh. And okay. how they were, you know, hemmed one centimeter this way? Yeah. No, exactly. It's like those, all these tiny, tiny things. Yeah. That the heart. our radar just, I feel like... It's on fire. Yeah, my radar is like, yeah. All the time. Logged, 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 logged. Everything I look at, I'm like, that's logged in my brain. <laughs> it, it's, it's Sometimes I always find um, people always say to me, you know, you're probably in my house looking at all the things that I could do differently. And the truth is I'm not in anyone's home or space or environment ever judging it. But when, I, when, I'm, when it come to call... Exactly. You know, it's when it's your hand that's going to be putting something into the world that the sensitivities can release through your fingers. And and it's not exactly it's not through a lens of judging anything. It's always through, okay, when I'm in active mode, not when I'm in receiving mode, but like when I'm in active mode and I'm putting something out, I'm going to use all of this superpower in me to make it beautiful to people or to tap into all those different senses or aspects or whatever. I love that you call it active mode. <laughs> it just came into my brain. No, I love it because <laughs> it's true. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You kind of have to, as a highly sensitive person, you have to sometimes know when you can just go a little, I call it brain dead. Mm-hmm. Just like turn off a little bit and yep. just let things float by yep. versus really looking at it and allowing it or letting it affect me. It's true. You know, we have to. Yeah. We have to. We have to. And we have to, I think it took me a long time to realize, oh, not everybody's like me. Like, I think when you have that as a part of you, you think everybody's just as sensitive. So when someone says something or like, oh, why'd you choose red for that? You know, I'm like, oh my goodness, like that is, you know, that's painful or that's whatever. But then you realize, not everybody is sensitive. Some people have no filter. Some people don't notice details. Some people, you know, and so realizing that that's actually a uniqueness and that's why I think you call it a superpower is because it's it, not everyone has it. And so realizing that I think is key in, yeah, in functioning in the world. <laughs> I always love it when people who are not highly sensitive all of a sudden pick up on something that I've done, which is like, oh yeah so this pattern matches that and this color matches this and then this is oh you know it's like totally. all of a sudden they picked up the breadcrumbs and they found grandma's house that's you right know? it's like shit 
<laughs> it's like shooting, uh, you know, six different ways to make a pumpkin and shooting that for nine hours. And then Coco, the photographer at the end of the, <laughs> the shoot. Oh, are these pumpkins? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Coco, shout out to you shooting our content for nine hours, not knowing that they were pumpkins the entire time. Bless your heart. But it feels good. Yeah. People, people get there. Jill, what color is making? If you were to think of like using your own two hands and creating something, what color is that to you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, the first color that came into my mind was like that like kind of muddy, yellowy brown. Ah. Yeah. That's your color right now. Yeah. I love that color. And I think the muddiness of it, that's like... I associate with making, I don't know, because the behind the scenes is never super crisp and beautiful and clean. It's always a little bit messy until until it's arrived. You know, I'm so grateful for all the people that come on this podcast. Do you know you are the third person that, that talks about the mess of life? Interesting. If it's a mess of your business or a mess of how what's going on inside of you or a mess and and how you have to create a whole bunch of beauty out of nothing, you know, life is a beautiful mess. So true. You know, it doesn't matter in what capacity. Yeah. You know, in every capacity that we're dealing with, our lives are a beautiful mess. Yeah. And I am totally drawn to all the peoples that look at that mess and think game on. Yeah. You know, I actually think you can't have beauty without mess. I actually think that because I think it's just part of it. I think they are hand in hand. Like, I don't think I don't think we would find things beautiful if I think you can tell the difference when you look at things and they've been through something and you see what they are and where they are. Then you see beauty. I think if you saw something, you know, super manufactured and perfectly clean in some sort of, I don't know, superficial way. Yeah. It's not real then. It's not real because it hasn't been through something. So I, you know, I love the mess of, of all of it. I think we love reasons behind, we love purpose. We love stories, you know, history, things that are vintage, things that have once lived, you know, that's the stuff to me that really makes a life. It's true. In every way makes a wardrobe. It makes everything. It makes a home. Yeah. You know, when you add those stories, they really mean something. And I'm always looking for a meaning behind everything. And I think that's what art school gave you. Yeah. But what it gives me when I think of adding meaning is giving people um, the knowledge that everything that they have around them has a deliberate purpose. You know, it's not just yeah. there because it's pretty. Yeah. There is a purpose to all of it. And uh, even the messy shit. So, okay, close your eyes. What color is art? Hmm. I think, I don't know why, but red came to me, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. It's your creative center. It's your root. Yeah, that's interesting. I think, yeah, the depth of red. I think red is just a very deep, deep color, strong color. And I feel like that's art somehow. Well, it's your heart. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I've never been asked these questions before. This is like, wow. Interesting. You didn't expect this from me, Jill. <laughs> I'm glad I could still surprise you. It's like being in a love relationship and after a year, you're still surprising someone. <laughs> making it new. Making it new. <laughs> Look at me going to the emotional lingerie store. <laughs> I'm a freak. Okay. Uh, I actually said today before we started the podcast that, um, you know, I, I have the absolute honor of doing things that I love every day. And, you know, it's not always beautiful and it's sometimes messy, but I have attracted and have around me an incredible group of people. And Jill's one of them now and, and has now, you know, as I've mentioned this last month has been with me full time and having Jill around me just in general has always felt like home Um, but having her around me full time is like, felt like I was a puzzle and all this time I was missing a piece. And then now she's with me all the time. And I'm like, that's the piece that was missing. So I, I urge everyone that, um, in a friend or a colleague or whatever it is, even in your family 
to really, you know, tap into those around you that make you feel good and hold them with both hands and find a way to have them in your life in a way that really um, just lights up your soul because they're there in your life um, for a purpose. And I'm so grateful you're in mine. I really am so grateful that you came and that you pursued and you were so persistent and kind and loving and you know, when you get you get a message from someone that you work with, and Jill sent me, she called me the other day. She goes, I just wanted to hear your voice. And I was like, <laughs> I fucking love you. Like, not at all anything work-related. She just, we hadn't talked, and it was weird. So that's yeah. lovely. Okay, well, so, sorry. Thank you. No, I feel so grateful. And I think, I think it's so special, like, who you are and what you put out into the world, because you see people, and you see the makers, and you see all parts of... Like, I don't know the orchestra world very well, but like, that's the analogy that comes to mind is like, you know, the conductor is like conducting all of the musicians and, you know, some people will sit there and they'll just like talk about the song and they'll leave or whatever. But like the conductor sees all those, like they hear where the violin goes and they can separate that in their mind from the cello and appreciate that and the clarinet. And I don't know, I'm running out of, I'm not nope. a musician, but you're doing good. Like, and so I think that is so valuable from all of those players in the game is that they're seen, you know, and they feel, I think it makes people feel more alive and feel more empowered to create because I think it's really easy for for some, you know, some players to be seen. Like I think there's some that are more naturally, you know, an actor or, you know, whatever the art form might be. But there are so many creatives that are doing these, you know, hardworking things and in their mind, you know, they're, they're making gold and they're not those people or those makers aren't always seen and you see people and you've seen me and that just feels I think that's why it's felt like such a not just a welcome place for me to be and to work but just a, a safe like a safe like I feel safe with you I can make jokes with you and not be like oh, my oh did I say the wrong thing forget jokes <laughs> this woman is like deadpan jokes funny Saturday Night Live styles you know she's all serious right now but when when the hawk lose on <laughs> When the room smells like hot glue and the music is pumping, the jokes are also coming out like just one minute at a time. I'm I'm pissing myself. So you're you're like a triple threat. You're a triple threat. Uh, question about love. Mm. What do you love about your life outside of what you do? What do you love about it the most? Mm, that's a really good question. I mean in terms of like very specific things. I mean, I love my husband. I love that I get to like come home and see him at night, especially when I work with you, because when I work on film sets, I see him at midnight if he's still awake. <laughs> but so definitely Jory. And I mean, I love my parents, my family. Um, I love that you know, we get to live in a city that has four seasons and go through that change with the weather and nature. And I love, um, you know, inspiration from art galleries to like jacked up flea markets or, you know, like garage sales or, you know, like some cool ladies in Chinatown and what they're wearing. Like, I love color. I love texture, all that stuff. That I love all of that. That's like life. Gets me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a giant collage. All the things layered over top of each other. And This is why I love you I, so much. I love it. We love the same things. Yeah, we do. Um, we do. And what do you love about what you do the most? Um, I love... Honestly, I love getting to getting to make and getting to express intangible things with tangible things, with concrete things, whether it's a feeling that I have and a color that I associate it with and getting to use that color. Or um, I love getting to, I love seeing people's faces who are looking at or experiencing something that I've made or um, the you or the person I'm collaborating with. I love that process of like whoever it is those two people and I mean lately it's been the best because it's been you and me but just the collaboration that is a part of art making I feel like when you're talking about the spiritual element I feel like that's a huge part of it is 
the magic that happens when two people collaborate together and the dance that it is and the, um, yeah, the like layering of ideas and how two people's minds can see something differently. But when you put those ideas together and share them, they're like a new thing is born. And it's like, I find that's that's so special. Like that feels like a spiritual thing, I think. It, it is. And, you know, we, I think you and I talked about that before, which is you. there are so many creatives in the world and not all creatives express and coordinate and jive the same way. Yep. And when you find creatives and artists and makers that speak your language, it's like being it's like feeling like you're home. It's true. And that's, and that's, it's really rare. Mm-hmm. But when you do have it, it's to me, it, there's nothing, it's like, there's nothing like it. It's true. And that's, I actually feel my most happy when you and I are creating or we're on a set together me or we're too. doing something because, you know, I've got this one idea and I've got like level one in my mind. And then Jill brings it up to level two. And then I'm like, well, what about level three over here? <laughs> and then like, we just keep going. And yeah. that's, um, that's the part of creativity that I think doesn't get spoken about enough is the collaboration. Everyone's mm-hmm. so quick to slap their name on something exactly. and take ownership. But often I think why I love being, um, as you would say, like a, what was that? The conductor? Yes. Is I love every piece of it. Yeah. You know? And I think I couldn't have the most beautiful sounds in my ears of my life the way that I do and, and with the music that I mm-hmm. get to you know, creatively bring to the world without all of the incredible talent that is around me or in the world. Yeah. And we have to support every element of it mm-hmm. and each other to have what we have. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to be grateful for those things and those yeah. people and those elements because without them, we are nothing. Yeah. And I feel like that recently is that like without you, I don't know how I would have gotten through the last mm. while. Like you really have been incredible. So I love you, Jill. I love you. Um, what do you want to tell the peoples like here on the love jam? What do you want? Like if you were to wrap this whole thing up and they were only to listen to this last part, what's like a pot, like a message you want to leave with the peoples or the makers or the little ones or the women or the men that are listening to this message or this podcast? Hmm. I think that's a really good question. I think I think to be, and I, I think this is a challenge for myself too, by no means do I think I've, I've honed this, but to be more present. And I think to be present with people, with, you know, your plumber who's coming to fix your toilet or your, you know, interior decorator who's coming to like redesign your space or your hairdresser who's blow drying your hair, whoever, like I think whoever, everyone, just to be more present with people and more present with the things in the world, like the colors of the trees and, you know, the painting that you have up in your home that you love and the way that the brushstrokes overlap each other and, you know, the sound of, you know, people chit-chatting on the streetcar as it like whirs by with the windows open, like whatever. I just think, I think none of us do that enough. And I think all of those tiny little things make up life. And so I think if we could all be more present with people, with things, with the elements, I think it would just, I think we would feel more at peace and more, we would be more grateful people. I think it would, yeah. I think that's what comes to mind. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Jill Cohen. my favorite thing oh my goodness she says this profound incredible stuff and that's why i always love introducing her (laughs) it's like my favorite you know jill i couldn't have said it better myself and i i do i do believe this world is filled with magic and you're one of those people that sees the magic and i don't know if i ever express enough how much i appreciate you Mm. um and how your being brings so much being into mine. But um, I just want everyone to listen to Jill's words and to feel that every day, that every moment we have and every day that passes and the things that surround us are so filled with wonder. And it's all here to inspire us and delight us and serve us and propel us forward. And um, 
and all of us are artists mm -hmm. and all of us are makers and we all have an ability to use our own two hands to create something it doesn't have to be colorful or patterned or artful it just has to be something mm -hmm. and through the magic of our own two hands anything is possible and um you know surrounding yourself with like-minded people is even better so um yeah i don't know jill you're something you're some kind of wonderful no. <laughs> i i call jill the sensation how did that you come do. to be i don't know oh you left me a voicemail once and i don't know you <laughs> oh, couldn't get right. a hold of me and all it was was jill you're a sensation you're a sensation i love you jill bye sensation <laughs> that was it <laughs> I, and i listened to it many times and just couldn't stop laughing <laughs> that's a great place to end is um always tell the people that you love that are in your life every day how much you love them and how they make you feel mm -hmm. and um you make me feel like i you make me feel like I've experienced a sensation. Aww. Wonderful, creative, beautiful, incredible, delightful, colorful sensations. So you are a sensation. I love you. Love you back. Okay. This is this Thank is our you. love jam. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Keep jamming, peoples. Keep loving. Keep jamming. Yeah. Jam on. <laughs> Jump up. Jump up. <laughs> I said that to Coco went to Apple. Did you did you cut it? <laughs> Jump up. I am forever grateful to every guest that will join me and share themselves and their hearts on the Love Jam. So thank you so much, all of you, for coming on and sharing yourself. Uh, it just is what makes the world such a richer place. Coco Trabagian, the genius behind the mixing and the recording of the Love Jam and the person who wrote the theme music himself. It's truly not even possible for me to have this podcast without you. So I love you and I thank you forever. And Delta Faucets Canada, oh my God. Without your encouragement and your support, this wouldn't even be happening. So thank you, thank you, thank you to every single one of you. Um, without your hand, this love would not be in the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for you. You, you that lovely human listening to this podcast. From the depth of my soul, thank you so much for taking your time and wanting to listen to me and my friends jam about love. <laughs> <laughs>